Welcome to Kingstock, presented by Cap City Crown. Uh, of course, with me as always, John. John? Yes, how you doing? Tony, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, it's official that the Kings are the best at something. Did you, did you know that? Did you catch that? Yeah, they are the best at something in basketball. Um, that's for sure. Uh 16 years, man. You know, the playoff drought of the Kings can now drive. And wow. that's impressive. Yeah. In I, a bad way, I would say. That's kind of funny. I never, <laughs> I didn't think about that. I haven't seen anyone say that anywhere. Is that, was that an original thought you just had? I just, that just came right out of me. Dang. You know, just passing gas. It is, oh man, 16 years. Last time the Kings were in the playoffs, I was nine. I'm 25 now. It's been a long time. Sounds like you're talking to your therapist. Yeah, I, honestly, it's what it should be. I probably should go to a therapist, being a Kings fan. Most Kings fans should probably have a therapist. I, you know, I, I go to Kings games, right? Obviously, because I'm a Kings fan. And um, kind of towards the end of the season, or maybe they're doing it all year. I have no idea. But they would do like the like the fan of the game, and it was mostly like season ticket holders, and it's like season ticket holders since like a lot of them were since 1985 when they came to SAC, right? And I was just like, dang, like yeah, like <laughs> I don't know, I I mean yeah, we had our glory days at the the early 2000s, but oh my god, I could not imagine having season tickets like as big as a Kings fan I as I am, I could not imagine going to the game under like my own will just to watch him for the last 16 years. Like I'm assuming these people go to, you know, 75% plus games. Um, I hope not, but I bet they do. I you know what the, I hear? Huh? Is it, I, I hear that if you're a season ticket holder throughout these, at any point in these last 16 years, uh, you get a 15% off coupon for better help, uh, online resources <laughs> for therapy. So, um, I might have read that somewhere. I don't remember where, but you know, I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, that's a rough situation, man. The only thing you could you can rest assured knowing that uh, the Seattle Mariners, you know, actually have the longest playoff drought in sports. You know, is that is that any... ever or is that current? Current, current. Okay. Um, since two thousand one, they haven't been there since two thousand one. Yeah. I wonder who, do you know who has the longest ever playoff drought in the four major sports? Was it the Browns? Was it? Um, that would be my immediate, my immediate guess. Playoff drought in sports. Um, let's see. Longest playoff drought. Oh, just current. Um, <laughs> this one says, number one, the New York Jets, 11 years. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> What is going on? Is this Google? Come on. I know, right? Anyways. Yeah. 
King Suck, 16 years running now. This season was especially disappointing, I think. I think after Darren Fox had such a like breakout season, we were all kind of waiting for him to have that breakout season last year. And he had it. He's scoring over 25 a game, looked like a star in the making, looked like a like an all-star to be this year. And he, obviously, he's got off to a rough start, but the Kings made no off-season additions, which we've been over millions, millions of times, it feels like, already. But it, it, I think it was just especially disappointing. And there were stretches this season. And th- there were stretches every season. But I just felt like there were stretches this season where it was hard for me to turn on the game and watch. And that, that's coming from... That's coming after a season where we had two straight or two nine uh, game losing streaks. And I feel like mm-hmm. this season was even rougher. And I, and Fox missed, you know, he missed a good amount of time. I think he missed, I think he only played 59 games this year if he right. doesn't play the last two. But it was, it was a long year. And I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a Kings fan who gets their hopes up too much every year. But I definitely thought they were going to do a little, like, make a legit kind of push for the play-in. But especially with Halliburton and Fox. But it was a long year. And it's a long playoff drought, too. So. Yeah. Well, I think you're right, though. I mean, like, in terms of, like, depressing uh, seasons, just, like... I think James Ham asked, um, I don't remember who he asked. It might have been Dante DiVincenzo or one of the newcomers. Um, and he like asked him, he's like, you know, you like you weren't really on this team, you know, a few months ago when it seemed like they were ready to just like let go of the rope or whatever the expression he was, that, uh, the one that he used. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he proceeded to ask a question, but it's like, yeah, that's kind of a great way to put it. They kind of, in terms of just like, like just complete, <laughs> like, disillusionment in the game and in in what they were doing you know it's just they didn't get off to a terrible start you know like in the first few games right and they lost a few close games and then it just kind of like it just that was it you know it seemed like it felt like it was uh too too much to overcome pretty early on and yeah um, it really was and it does i think you're right it is a common theme but it's like this one was was different i mean like it was like the because like when was the last time you had uh like you would say this was probably one of your most hopeful like seasons coming into it like the last one would i would guess knowing you would be like um maybe the last year dave yeager coached you know in terms of hope for the team well i came in hopeful the year after because Mm -hmm. Of what they did under Jaeger. And I don't know. I guess I was. I'm like. Honestly at the moment when they fired Jaeger. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I'm like you know what. (laughs) Yeah. Because the way the way the Kings finished this season. I didn't really appreciate it. And honestly the way. The way he kept Buddy on that leash. Which you know. is In hindsight it sounded like an idiot. But it's like oh like whatever. Like we got a new coach. And I thought Vlade had done his due diligence. With Walton. But no, he, I mean, I know he didn't look at anyone or interview anyone and just went straight to Walton, but I'm like, this, you know, he's a GM. I, I trust my GMs. I feel like you kind of have to, to a point. And so I'm like, perfect. Like we got Fox, we got Buddy, we got Bogdan. 
you know, we, we had this solid team coming. We had, we got Dwayne Dedman, like, oh, it's finally a stretch five. Bagley was coming in um, after a really good rookie year. So I'm like, I think this is a year they can actually make noise. And yeah, boy, was I wrong. But right. I feel like a lot of Kings fans were. I think they all had a lot of optimism. But I was that like, yeah, that was definitely the most optimistic I'd gone into a season for a minute, probably since having Cousins, I'd say, on the team. Because definitely the two years after Cousins until that Jaeger year, it was definitely a rebuilding year. Or maybe it was only one year between the Cousins trade and that last Jaeger year. I don't know. Did Jaeger, did Jaeger coach Cousins? I don't even remember. Um, yeah, I don't. Th- I, I, he he may have. Let me for a second. He might have been the coach. Um, the year he got traded, he got traded in what February? Yeah, February of what? Sixteen. I have. I even know. Here. I got a list here, right here somewhere. Yeah, perfect. Um. Yeah, sixteen seventeen. He came. Yeah. And his last year was eighteen nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they traded cousins. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a very inconsistent, um, too many changes, <laughs> never going in the right direction. No, made the same yeah, right it, turn every time, went absolutely nowhere. It's <sighs> funny because you're right. So many changes, and Harrison Barnes was saying the other day that you know after the Kings got eliminated on Sunday for the 16th straight year, he was and Barnes hasn't been there this long right he got traded in jaeger's last year so 18 19 and he says the only two people in the organization that have been consistent and have been on the team since he's come over is him and fox that's only that's only three three and a half seasons Mm -hmm. isn't that crazy that that's telling in itself right there it's wild yeah i mean (laughs) like that's up and down for the most part, you know, aside from, you know, the ownership, but that's, that's, it's, it's in such a quick time. It's such a shakeup and just, I mean, like, thank goodness, you know, like recounting the last 16 years, really the last, like, you know, four or five years in particular, maybe um, you really kind of gain a bigger appreciation for the deadline moves, you know, not specifically talking about like, anybody in particular but just the fact that like they like mcnair presumably and and mcnair only uh made a decision to go out and get an all-star and you know change the 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 formula to this team and you know it 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 seems so simple but it's like man that's such a big breakthrough for this team you know and and if you, you got not only like I think adding DiVincenzo to this team did so much for this like uh, defense as well as like everybody else that's playing. Um, everybody just stepped it up. I think just when the formula changed, everybody was more committed and everybody was playing for each other. And that's probably the two of the most important keys to a good defense. And like I was listening to the Warriors broadcast when they played Golden State on uh, Sunday and uh they showed the they showed the a graphic of like uh, the years in um, Sacramento since '85, uh, and the only eight seasons 
of having a winning record were the eight seasons under Rick Adelman. And uh, Kalina Azabuki, former player who does the color commentation for the, uh, the Warriors, was like, yeah. And one of the big things that you've noticed is they haven't played a lot of defense in these last 16 years. And so the fact that they actually have a defensive identity, I didn't think that that can be understated. Like, that's huge. Yeah, I totally agreed. And I'd say a lot of people online, because I go online and I moderate a Facebook group on Kingsland and, um, you know, I, I browse Reddit and other places as well. And I see a lot of people like not caring too much about DiVincenzo, calling him inconsistent. The shooting and offense, I get it. Offense is the flashy stats. It's what you kind of see on, you know, a scoreboard. But yeah, I mean, you can't, you cannot, you cannot underestimate what this guy does on defense. His heart and hustle for the team, like you said, he he's been great since coming over here. He's been awesome to watch teaming up with Mitchell. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what the Kings need because there hasn't been defense in these last sixteen years. They, I think, last year they had the second worst defensive rating ever ever (laughs) that's embarrassing i think we were pretty close to the worst ever too it wasn't like yeah it was it was that bad and i think defense is kind of just getting worse um Mm -hmm. as the nba goes along but yeah that's obvious yeah but geez just moves too quick yeah yeah have any defensive stances but go on yeah you're right there's you'll never see games you know in the 80s or you know, 60s even, like, 10 years ago. I feel like, you know, you you see some games finish in the 60s, but no way. Those are doubled all the time. Anyways, yeah, they need defense. Bringing in DiVincenzo is huge. Mitchell, drafting Mitchell is huge. I, I mean, his defenses look incredible, uh, especially over the second mm-hmm. half of the season. I think it's looked good all year. He's starting to get more calls to go his way. He doesn't, he won't always get them. I think mm-hmm. because he's a rookie, but he's right. he's not backing down from trying to draw those charges. And I think he's gonna uh, you know assert himself as one of the top defenders in this league. And really, once he gets that respect from the media and the league, those calls are gonna start going his way, and you're gonna see even more of an impact uh, with Mitchell on defense. Right, and um, just a note on Divincenzo. And I agree. He has been really choppy this season. Um, but like, you got to remember the guy's coming off like ankle surgery. And I think as he described it, he's like, it was like the ligament in the ankle was like barely hanging on or something. Like it was a pretty, Jeez. you know, like the fact that he came back was pretty crazy. Like, and playing at the intensity that he's playing at, um, is pretty crazy, I think. And, um, I think his shots will start falling, you know, like that, that'll start coming along. They um, have. I, they they he, he, they've been falling last several yeah. games, right? And, and in clutch moments, I feel like he comes out in the second half in particular and just is always just ready to roll. I don't think he had any points in the first half on Tuesday. I think he got all his points. Maybe it might have been the first quarters. No, it was the first half. I think I got it here in my notes. Um. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, but uh, also in terms of the defense, I also think you know, like Sabonis is not like a rim protector. I feel like I've said this before, but the, the immediate difference that he made, I mean, like you see it in the stats in terms of like paint points given up and containing the paint. Um, it got better immediately. I mean, it's not like not in the top half of the league, but it's not at the very bottom, you know? 
uh, it's a significant improvement. Um, and I just think it's just like, you think about that, you think about like, okay, you give Mitchell a little more confidence, you get DiVincenzo in there, you know, he's kind of easing into things, you get you get Sabonis in there, you, know, you do these like, it's one piece at a time. It could be that they just add another piece to just really make this defense gel. But I don't even know if that's necessary unnecessary um, in terms of just the defense. I think what they've got going defensively is uh, really good. Obviously, you want to probably add guys. Um, uh, you never want to settle. But um, I think, um, you know, uh, the foundation that they've kind of built is is – you, you couldn't have even imagined it probably at the beginning of February. You know? No. Mm-mm. No, getting Sabonis, uh, getting Sabonis alone really can't be understated. It's a huge move, pairing him up with Fox. And they could have paired it up with Halliburton. One of the two, it would mm-hmm. have been a huge move regardless. Because now you have a big, which you desperately needed, an all-star big, a two-time all-star big at 25 with two more years left on his contract after the end of this season to build with, with one of your star guards. And now you might have, you know, another star guard and Davion, Davion Mitchell emerging. But Fox and Sabonis alone is a really solid foundation to start building on. And yes, you have to build on it. You're not going to win with Fox and Sabonis alone, obviously. But they're definitely going in the right direction, getting that, uh, getting DiVincenzo, even getting Justin Holiday. I liked him coming over. He had some defense. He can add some floor spacing. I know he hasn't been the greatest so far since coming to sack, but that's what the Kings really need, I think, is they need those three and D guys. And they, you know, you got them in DiVincenzo and Holiday. You have one in Barnes. I'd really love to get one at the four. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe not so much three and D, but just at least some guy who can stretch the floor because, you know, Fox and Sabonis, they're getting the majority of their buckets in the paint. And it'd be nice just to, you know, open up that lane a little for them. And maybe, you know, Sabonis and Fox are both excellent passers and they'll find the, you know, they're getting double teamed. They're, they're going to kick it out and find that open man. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I mean, like it's sometimes you just think it's just like you're just a piece away. And um, I think you're right um, about that power forward position. You could just get a guy that can stretch the floor because like we both love Lyles, but imagine Lyles is being like coming off the bench. I mean, that's that that, that means you got a pretty good team, I think. I mean, you got a better team if he's coming off the bench, Mm -hmm. plain and simple. And you just add that guy, you know, at the four. You know, that can just like always keep guys honest. I mean, like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be absolutely insane, and you can already see it. I mean, in terms of offense, um, I think a you know like this team was with with Fox and Sabonis out there was scoring with the best teams. You know, all the way up until basically the last sequences of the game, they're not hitting the big shots. The fact that maybe they're not shooting the three the three ball as well uh, is probably bringing them down as well. Um, so you want to add that and also bank on guys like DiVincenzo and Holiday shooting the three better next season. Um, but like that offense is already like really good, you know? So it's like, you, if you just kind of get everybody to gel together, you keep that kind of chemistry going again. It's like the foundation there is in, insane. 
So it's like all the more to believe that it's just like one or two, maybe three pieces away. And like one, like one, like in terms of like significant pieces, like one clear significant piece. And I think you're absolutely right that 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 four would be perfect. Um, I mean, imagine it. <laughs> uh, have you thought about anybody in particular? Just like it doesn't even have to like hypothetically make sense, you know? Yeah, there's two guys I've thought about. Or mm-hmm. one guy I'm really high on, and this might come to a shock of some people, but I'll get to him second. So the first one um, I think a lot of people have been thinking about is John Collins. So John Collins, we'd have to get him in a trade, which I think would be interesting because you'd most likely, I think, have to give up Harrison Barnes, which then will leave a big gap at the three hole, right? So you're kind of, I guess, just be trading forwards at that point. But um, mm-hmm. Collins, he's a great scorer. He's a power forward. He's a good three-point shooter. He has a good con- – not a good contract, but he just signed an extension. I believe it was a max extension. So he'll be on the team next few years. I'm, I mean, that could be you know, beneficial considering Barnes only has one more year on his contract. But um, he'd definitely be interesting, and he would add a lot of power to that offense. Not like they need it, but he's definitely – you know, he's a notable player for a reason. Um, but then again, you'd have to give up Barnes and you might have to give up that draft pick if it's outside of the top five. But mm-hmm. I don't think you trade Collins for a top five draft pick. But mm-hmm. that'd be interesting. Although I don't really like the idea of trading forwards at that point for right. Barnes. I kind of like Barnes a little better for this team because of his 3 and D. Collins, I don't really know how he is on defense. I don't know if he's and to be or... and to be fair to Barnes too. Imagine how good Barnes will be if he has like a solid backup all year. Yeah, and he's not playing so many minutes, right? I mean, yes. like he's. I feel like his threes really slumping right now, and it's just like I don't know if that's happening if he's if he hadn't been playing as many minutes this season. You know? Um, yeah, I think he's like top ten in the league in total minutes played. He so. he has been since coming to sack too right so the guy the guy is more than well deserving of some kind of a break and i think you're right in terms of keeping him i think he's such an important piece to this sack team i mean they can talk about the stability he's talking about you know it would be important to keep him i think just in terms of that Mm. the other guy yeah the other oh sorry the other guy i was thinking yeah and you know you might be surprised to hear this dude is still in the league and only 33 years old right now, but Nicholas Batum. Huh. And this is and this is why I say Batum, he's a good help defender. He or not help, he's a good team defender. He's a smart guy. Uh he's been in the league forever, right? Mm-hmm. But what interests me about Batum it, with his good team defense is that he, over the last two seasons, he's hitting well, last season with the Clippers, he hit 40% from three. This year, he's hitting 40% from three again, scoring eight points in both seasons. This is a dude who knows his role. He's going to be sitting in that corner waiting for you to kick it out to him. And if you're going to kick it out to him, he has a 40% chance of making that shot. I feel like that's something the Kings need. He's on the player options this, this season, so he can opt to stay with the Clippers. Or you can, I don't know, maybe the Kings can entice him. He's not making that much, and he probably won't. It won't be a hefty contract or anything, so it'll be relatively cheap. I I don't think you need a guy like John Collins, personally. I think you need someone who knows their role, 
who's going to make their open shots and can help on the defensive end. That's mm-hmm. Batum to me. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the few power forwards that are stretch forwards that are available this offseason as well. I mean, that's that's a perfect... I mean, immediately when you said that, I said to myself, like, wow, yeah, that's perfect because, like, Lyles is the perfect backup for that guy, you know? Yeah. Batum's a better shooter. Um, Lyles might have a little edge in rebounding. I mean, Batum's a better player. Um, I mean, imagine that. <laughs> like, imagine that team. Like, just getting that guy, you know? And then you're revamping your bench at the same time. Um, that, yeah, I like that one a lot better. Just in terms of like also how you're able to get him. I mean, yeah, he uh, almost comes off to me as like a like a a better Mo Harkless. Like if, yeah. Like imagine Mo Harkless playing his like I don't know. I just feel like imagine Mo, Mo Harkless could hit his threes. hundred yeah. percent field goal percentage night every night. Maybe not hundred yeah. percent, but you know. Yeah, I, I feel like that's what it would be. I think that's what they try to do with Harkless this year. They threw him in the corner, but Harkless never made any of his shots. So, right. what did you call him? I said, Mo Mamba. I said, Mo Mamba. And then also, I like calling when Metu starts going off. Uh, Mamba Metu. Mamba Metu. <laughs> Sometimes he kind of gets it like when an Orlando game, I feel like. <laughs> but I don't know. He's. <laughs> Metu, I'll tell you this: if with Metu being brought up right now, if Metu is your backup power forward next season, then that's an issue. I'm just saying. Yes, yes, I completely agree. I think if he's like one of those guys at the end of the bench that's not in the everyday rotation, but is basically um, a reserve for the rotation, that's not a terrible thing because I do think he has upside. If he can improve his shooting, that's a big deal, you know, because that's the thing mm-hmm. with him. Like we always say, if he's not if he's not hitting his shot, he's not going to be on the floor. Yeah, um, it's like, what are you and, doing then? Exactly. Um, I mean, I just like watching him play defense. Even there are good moments, but most of the time, I'm like he's he's always a step behind. Yeah, and um, you know, even with I'm mean, like even with guys that are like arguably arguably like larger than him, and he's like easily quicker than, but um. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that's why Batum and Lyles, in terms of looking at the rotation at the four or whatever, I mean, that's great. And, you know, I that one piece. I mean, like, that's a, that's a hell of a one piece to throw in there. And um, that really immediately shapes uh, uh, the team for the better. Yeah. It sounds like a playoff team. <laughs> it sounds like. I don't know. We've You've said that before. I don't know. I'm not really a superstitious person when it comes to sports. You know, that's kind of up for the athletes to do. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's that if that happens, that's got to happen first. Uh, I, I'm really I really hope they give it to him or go after him. I think I think he'd be better than a lot of people think for this team. But also, like you said before going into this and when I was talking about the John Collins possible trade for Harrison Barnes, you need a backup three and take a load off of Harrison Barnes back. You need to, I I feel like we haven't had a backup three since this dude's come over. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Is it that hard to find like a competent or semi semi competent three? I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know. Or or get or get another guard or get another shooting guard and throw Justin Holiday as your backup three. I, I don't know. Do something. Mm-hmm. 
because the holiday can play the three. He's like what six 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 seven. He can yeah. He can hold it down. You need something. It's ridiculous. Oh well, mm-hmm. you know what? That's interesting. Now that I say that, because I totally forgot about this guy. Terrence Davis is on the Kings. He's a shooting guard. I always forget every time we finish recording podcasts. I'm always like, because I'll look at box scores and stuff, and he's always at the bottom. You know, as being out. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's on this team. Like, talk about a three point shooter, and like, you know, like um, just the ability. He does so many different things. Um, yeah. I, when I, did he get hurt? Um, at forever ago. That's why I forgot about yeah. this dude. He, he hasn't seen the floor in a minute. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot about Terrence Davis. Yeah, I mean that'd be that'd be interesting. I mean, it gives you the opportunity to start DiVincenzo, have Davis as your backup too, which. It's not bad. I like Davis did pretty well. He, he kind of struggled, but he kind of found his rhythm towards the end before his injury. Mm-hmm. And you could even have Holiday come off the bench. Right. I would how I what Holiday do you think of coming off the bench is great. <laughs> yeah, if Holiday's coming off your bench, that's, that's awesome. That's solid. I I wouldn't have mind DiVincenzo starting either. I know. But well that brings up another question and maybe segue this into another topic as well is that Alvin Gentry was talking about Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox possibly starting next year. You have a little more on that? Yeah, he was asked about it. It was like the first time I felt like, at least in, I mean, in terms of, it's kind of weird with Gentry because Gentry's been talking about like, you know, how he wants to coach this team some more, but, you know, that's not really something he knows about. But um, in terms of the Fox and uh, Mitchell thing, it was brought up, I think, in two questions after the game on Tuesday. And, you know, it's, it's, it sounded like something that, um, it did sound like something Gentry didn't maybe want to put as much of an opinion on because, um, uh, he, I think he's being kind of respectful of, uh, not really knowing what's going to happen in the next, uh, week or so for him in terms of, uh, a job with the Kings. But, um, you know, in terms of like the way like Jason Anderson and, uh, and company talk about it. Uh, it, it they, they, they seem pretty convinced. I mean, like just watching the way that Mitchell plays and they actually asked Mitchell about it. And Mitchell was saying that it would actually make his game easier um, because they were, they weren't really asking so much about the starting, I guess I should say they asked him uh, based on what you're doing now, how would it be different if you were playing out there with Fox and Sabonis? And he kind of pinpointed on Fox. If he was out there playing with Fox, it's completely different when there's two point guards out there because especially when it's Fox, that's the other point guard because he's always going to get the best defender. And Mitchell feels like that would open up so many more opportunities for him and combine that with the idea that his confidence is only going to grow. His shots only going to get better. I mean, he's obviously been doing a lot of things to his shot. He's been trying to add more arc to it, you know? And, yeah. You can definitely um, tell too. Big time. And like, um, so the, the 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 strides that he's going to make going into next season um i mean like i hadn't really i i don't I, I don't know if i always think ahead that far but when you were talking about that a few weeks ago i was like yeah you know i, I actually really like the idea of that i mean like like you said there's a lot of factors that have to be involved in anything you know uh, if you're building a roster you can't always just jump ahead and say what you um you know think is going to be the starting lineup but in terms of what you want i really i would i feel like uh, in terms of just watching the game that, that that that's an exciting duo 
um, and watching them grow together. I think they both think that they could play together. I think Gentry did allude to the fact that there's whether Mitchell's uh, starting or not, the two of them, like it's, it's a, it's a great duo to have them like, and probably for the same reasons that Mitchell was saying, just having two dynamic guards um, that command attention. And then Mitchell's just only going to be able to get better because Darren Fox has so much respect and, you know, you watch Mitchell and he does a lot of things. He's a different player than Fox completely, but he does a lot of things with the ball that's similar to Fox. Um, he's not as fast of a player as Fox, um, you know, from baseline to baseline. But in terms of immediate burst, like Mitchell's pretty darn fast. You know, he's got some acceleration. Yeah. It's pretty Definitely. crazy. And mm. he made like a pass. I think the it was a it was a pass to the wing that got swung to maybe like the other wing for a three and it missed, but it was just like, he dribbled in and just like swung it. It was like, it kind of reminded me of like how Neymanja uh, Belitia, uh, I can never see that name, um, was passing for the Warriors. <laughs> he was like throwing it. Like, I don't know if you remember that, but he was gunning it like a quarterback. And um, <laughs> I mean, Mitchell does the same damn thing. Um, I think he threw it off of like Justin Holiday's chest too on Tuesday. I mean, like, I don't know. Like he just does so many things that just like the ball's zipping around. He's zipping around. You have him and Fox playing together, you know, if that is indeed the, I mean, in terms, like I said, in terms of what you want, I feel like that's, that's, that's the peak right there. If it can all work out, you know? Yeah, it is the peak. And, but I, I mean, I, of course I think they should maybe try it if they, I don't know. I want them to do what they think is best, mm -hmm. but I think that is the peak. I think Mitchell playing at his best and Fox playing at his best starting together is a great scenario. But we saw this year what happened when you throw two dynamic point guards out on the same floor at the same time. It did not work out with Fox and Halliburton, and that was the reason one of them had to be moved. Um, it is interesting. That, I mean, Mitchell and Halliburton are different players. I don't think Mitchell, I, even though Mitchell got 17 assists the other night, uh, a Kings rookie record, Right. Um, I, I don't think he needs the ball in his hands like Halliburton. I think he'd be a little more comfortable. Um, you know, I, I don't see Mitchell as that pass-first guy like Halliburton. Halliburton almost seemed a little too timid to score at times. Where Hall mm. or where Mitchell, I think he's a much, not much better, but he's. I think he's more comfortable, or you'd be more comfortable as a coach putting him in more catch-and-shoot situations and more scoring opportunities than actual passing. Because mm -hmm. that was Halliburton's game. If you Halliburton had the ball, he's going to make a play for another person. And I think with Fox's lack of shooting ability, they weren't a good match. But now with Mitchell, you know, being able to spot up a little more and not needing the ball in his hands to make plays for others, like Halliburton did, I don't know, it's definitely a different scenario. I don't know if I explained that very well, but it will be interesting because we did see it fail earlier, but you know, you definitely want to work towards that working. But on top of all that, if you do start Davion Mitchell next season with Darren Fox, you'll need a backup point guard. So mm -hmm. I don't, I, I don't see Davion starting personally. I think you want him in that backup point guard role. Um, and you also don't want to ruin the chemistry, like what? Well, not chemistry. Well, I guess the, you know, on court chemistry, like between Halliburton and Fox this year, 
you kind of want to let Mitchell work with his own unit, get his buckets that way, provide that spark off the bench. I, I, I think Mitchell will be coming off the bench next season. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, there's like we're saying, we're mentioning so many different guards. I mean, there's so many different options to plug in at the two. Um, and, you know, like, like you said, like, uh, that's kind of for them to, for, for whoever the next coach is to figure out. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in terms of the guards on that team, I mean, you do have a fair mix of guys that when all healthy, um, there's a lot of talent there and, uh, mm-hmm. you can do a lot of it, a lot of different things with it. You're not really like having a log jam and one particular need or one particular area. But that, you know, I think that also kind of brings up, you know, since we're kind of thinking about what's going, you're going into next season, um, you know, there's a good chance I would, in my opinion, that I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's a chance, like, there's a good chance, I guess, that we might get a different head coach next season, probably. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of thinking about head coaches for next season, and that's not really something that, you know, there's still a couple of games left. You know, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but it did get brought up. Um, and it's, as Gentry said, it's a conversation for another day. He hasn't spoken to McNair about it. That's something that's going to probably happen, you know, when the regular season is over. But, um, you know, it's not a bad idea. And it's it's a good amount of fun, too, to, like, mention a few names, you know, um, mm-hmm. throw them out there. Um, but, yeah, uh, I... I I was just kind of poking around and I put down a list of like nine people um, that I think a lot of people probably have on their lists as well. But I know you had mentioned Terry Stotts. Um, I know I have, I have Gentry down on the list just in case they bring him back. Um, um, I was kind of grasping for straws there at first. Um, but then I was, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, there, you know who else was in consideration to take over for Walton's job? Uh, Doug Christie. Doug Christie could possibly get a job. But also, I think one of the things that you're probably more likely to see on a team like this is you might see them reach for one of the Golden State assistants. Um, maybe Kenny Atkinson. Um, he coached... How long ago did he coach the Nets? Um, I believe he was the coach of the Nets um, when... D'Angelo Russell was there. When did they get Steve Nash? Who who uh, was before Steve? Was he before Steve Nash? I guess so. Yeah. Right. Let me see. But um, another guy that's still an assistant there, and I don't really know if this is a name that you're going to be jumping for joy with, but the mayor himself, Mike Brown. Um, <laughs> Mike Brown. <laughs> Steve Clifford, who was coaching the Magic and who left. Um, because they were doing a rebuild, even though he got them to the playoffs, just a respectful split there. Um, I don't think he's a head coach anywhere right now. I think, he, or I, he might be an assistant somewhere, is what I mean to say. Um, Sam Cassell, I think, has been thrown around a lot as a head coaching candidate. He's currently an assistant for Philadelphia. Um, I feel like it wouldn't be a head coaching search list if you didn't throw in Becky Hammond. Um, uh, I, I I don't know if this is a legitimate thing. I hope you could correct me on this, but the guy that I always think of, um, uh, and maybe it's a fondness for mustaches, but Mike D'Antoni. Um, Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, D'Antoni. I, I I think about that sometimes, and I'm like, that would be an interesting, interesting guy. 
that's that's kind of that's kind of it though i don't know if you had others um no i what i don't i well no actually i do i i hear i i doubt this happens but i hear maybe if the jazz don't make a deep run in the playoffs when snyder might be on the you know the that would be what's awesome it called? the hot seat so yeah shoot i mean if quinn snyder becomes available i think you get quinn snyder that would but, be my favorite i love yeah quinn snyder he's a hell yeah of a i love quinn, yeah he is a great coach so i don't know if, i don't really see that happening i think quinn snyder's too good of a coach to get rid of but i mean you know jazz have been good for a while now and i don't even think they've been to the western conference finals yet so um it'll be interesting to keep your eye on that i think atkinson is the favorite right now but you know there's a lot, a lot of names you said and you know if when monte mcnair got hired a couple of years ago i don't know if anyone would have guessed mcnair was going to be our head coach or our gm but i mean i bet some did but i don't think he was like the top of everyone's list like atkinson seems to be right now a king's fan so um i don't know i i definitely would have to look more into coaches and what they i guess specialize in so mm-hmm. that would have to be more research on my part as well D'Antoni sure. would be interesting, yeah. but I don't I don't see D'Antoni coming to sack. I think he's kind of I don't know, I don't seem I, I feel like if he takes a head coaching opportunity, it's not gonna be to the Kings. Mm. I don't think that I think fair. he's at that point in his career. Like, you know, I'm going to a team that's gonna start winning. I don't think he's looking for a project, you know. I think that's a great point because I think about when Vivek wanted, uh, he was he, he wanted to get Kevin McHale to coach, and Kevin McHale, knowing I think this was yeah. after they fired George Carl, he's like, "Hell no, <laughs> he went, yeah, <laughs> like no." So I think you're probably right in terms of like guys of that stature. Um, I think that you bring up a great point, but yeah, Atkinson um, is the immediate one, uh, probably. Um, I still, I, I mean, I still, I still think Steve Clifford deserves a, a head coaching job somewhere. Um, and you know, Terry Stotts as well. So it'd be interesting to look at, um, in terms of fit, like I said, this is kind of just throwing names out there. I guess I hadn't thought about fit as much, but, um, you know, I don't think it would be far off. I mean, in terms of coaching a team where you have, uh, Fox and Sabonis, that formula going offensively, uh, that game plan. Um, I mean, like, I think a lot of coaches could, can, can, can do something with that you know like that, that, that's a it's a hell of a duo to have um sabonis i mean there's really not a lot of guys like him in terms of facilitating big men and you compare that with the just like fox's ability to just score on command or at least that's what he was doing before he got hurt i mean um i, I mean i think there's going to be appeal um obviously not for the d'antoni type guys or maybe not. I mean, who, who's to say? But um, for plenty of coaches, I think there will be more appeal based on the trade that occurred um, for uh, uh, the Bigger job in Sacramento. Coaches. Yeah, yeah, good, and, good and point. Mm-hmm. Especially since like the trade happened, and by all accounts, that's kind of a signal um, that Rana Dive's um, yearning to have the, his hands on everything is kind of been restrained to some degree if not like mostly you know um and i think that that automatically opens the 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 door for a lot of guys um in terms of being open to it with 
the talent that is now here and the working pieces that you have going into next year that are only going to be uh, more uh, in tune with each other, knowing each other's spots and where they want to be, all that stuff, chemistry, and figuring out, you know, these questions about lineups and who's going to play together and whatnot and uh, what the exact rotation is going to look like. And, um, yeah, I mean, but it is fun to think about coaching, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I have to ask, though, like, how would you feel? Because, um, you know, I don't know. I've, I feel like I know how this answer would go because I feel like everybody thinks the same thing, the same thing about this probably. But it's like, how would you feel if they just brought, they just said, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to just bring Alvin Gentry back next season as the head coach? <laughs> I thought you were going to go another direction with that. Um I would, I would be upset. Where'd you think? Where'd you think I was gonna go? I was cool. To to, you know, go ahead. Okay, we'll we'll get to that in a second because I was gonna yeah. say something on another per, another candidate, quote unquote. Mm. Um, but Gentry, I don't know. I, I don't want Gentry as a coach. I assume mm. most people don't. I think, I think Gentry was kind of hired as an assistant coach to put pressure on Walton a little and have that backup that interim backup in case he got fired like this year. I don't think anyone sees him as a long-term coach. I like Gentry, but I don't see Gentry as the one who's going to, you know, really change his team around, um, you know, for the better. So, I mean, nothing against Gentry, but I, I definitely don't want him as a coach next year. No offense. Yeah. But I think you're – yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, you, you go for it. No, well, no, just no, adding go. to that, adding to that, this – um. Like, I think you're totally right about, like, Gentry's role as uh, associate head coach before Walton got fired. Um, you know, um, it's also just, like, one of those things that's, like, the immediate thing that came to mind for me was, like, oh, okay, so Walton gets fired and they bring in Gentry. Like, what's the difference? Like, the experience is really the difference, you know? Yeah. Um, they're both well-liked by players, you know? They're not really proven winners. Um, kind of... You know, obviously Walton um, hasn't been around long enough to just be like known as a stopgap guy like Gentry is, um, but they're kind of essentially both that. So it wasn't like they were really that the the whole coaching change was kind of like a move of like okay we need to do something, um, and like you said that was they had that all loaded up in their quiver, um, and uh, you know. I agree. I just don't think that, uh, you know, if they, if, if God forbid they brought Gentry back, I just don't think, um, I mean, they keep talking about wanting to put a winning product out there and prove to the fans that, you know, they're going to get something that they can be proud of. I don't think that sends the best message, <laughs> you know, no. we're going to bring back Gentry, you know, and, and that is obviously nothing against him. He's loved around the league, well-respected. Um, and you know, if he wants another job on a sideline, you know, as an assistant of some sort, he, he, he will have it somewhere. Um, yeah. So that's, that's for sure. But you wanted to, to, I think you were going to mention that. Um, Cause I was saying the question about Gentry and you thought I was going to say someone, someone else, I think. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to go with someone else, but what I was going to say prior to what you were going to say um, is that one person you cannot bring on as the head coach and i'm pretty sure front office knows this i'm saying this more to people who believe in this 
or want this to happen is that do not make Doug Christie the head coach. Sure, <laughs> I would love Doug Christie to be the coach one day if he's proven it as an assistant, but he's been an assistant for one year. Yeah, he looked good a couple of games, you know, being the uh, filling guy when Gentry had COVID or whatever. But no, like classic, classic Kings, you know, bringing in bringing in guys from the glory days to to take on jobs that they're not qualified for. You know, cough, cough, Vlade, cough, cough, Peja. Mm-hmm. Bobby Jackson was even in, like, I'd rather have Bobby Jackson be your head coach. I was going to say, he, he he won the Summer League Championship, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Summer League Championship. That's a proven winner right there, ladies right. and gentlemen. At least he's in Stockton. He's doing his head coaching thing there. He was an assistant coach forever on the Kings, I felt like, for several mm-hmm. years. Not forever, but he was assistant coach for several years. You want to talk about a player that should be the next Kings coach or a past Kings player that should be the next head coach? You, you, Bobby Jackson should be way ahead of the, on the list than Doug Christie. Just saying, I love Doug Christie. I, I, I really do. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I, I do see a lot of people saying Christie for coach, and it's like, no. That, yeah, that, I saw it everywhere. I had, to, yeah. I had to put it down on the list, but that's that's kind of the same. Like that would send a very similar message. It wouldn't send a lot of comp. I mean, I guess it would because it would be something people want. But I think for realists. Um, it wouldn't send a good message. <laughs> no, it um, it will not show up. It will not show up in the on this in the standings. We're... It, it it would sound. It would honestly the thing that I think of. Didn't they bring on Reggie Theus, when, like to coach yeah. for a year? And yeah, after kinda, Adelman, had, first year. Yeah, that kind of just would have like a similar because they kind of just brought him on, you know. And he was he was awful, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, how long was he here? <laughs> a year. He started yeah. the playoff drought. He was here for a year. Lovely. Um, yeah, I just feel like you probably would. You're probably going to end up with something like that if you, you could. I mean, like, who knows? I just don't think that that's a gamble you want to take. And if he's such a good assistant coach, make sure he's on the um, somehow on the, the staff next year. There's carry. Sorry, you can do sorry. Dias was here for a season and a half before he got fired. Just, I want to clear That's that very up. fitting. That's very fitting, you know. Oh, you know what? No, he season. he came the year he came two years after Adelman. Oh, who was the immediate coach after Adelman? I don't, I don't know. Who was it? I feel like I'm gonna get my Kings fan card revoked here because I don't know this. I don't know the those like from after the playoff run to like 2010. Those years are a blur to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, um. I don't know. I it was it. I know maybe. I don't think it was Eric Musselman. I think he was a little after. If you even know who Eric Musselman is, I don't. I don't no. I, I mean, I don't blame you for not knowing. I don't. I don't have any idea. Um, yeah. But let's see. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm yeah, bringing it up, right? It was you got it. It's it Musselman, Musselman for a year. And then yeah, Theus. Musselman, then Theus, then Kenny Nat. But I, no, he he was the interim for Reggie. Hmm. Then Paul Westfall. Paul Westfall, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then they fired him, Keith Smart. Michael Malone, a little, you know. Yeah, right. Michael Malone, Michael Malone was only there for a season and a that half. Was, that's another one of those Vivek messes. He, Vivek brings him on, and he's like, he's the guy. Because he's the assistant from freaking Golden State. And he obviously has the coaching chops. He probably, because I don't think Vivek knows anything. 
to be perfectly frank, and there's no proof that he knows anything in terms of basketball. Um, uh, and, you know, they bring him on, uh, and, you know, obviously he's a good coach. Look what he's doing in Denver. You know, it's a good move. But Vivek doesn't like the pace he's playing at. And so they just, like, are getting into it all the time. And, yeah, he got fired in, you know, uh, 24 games into his second season. Ah. It's just a mess. Just a and then you basically did the same thing with Carl. Um, but that was just, you know, you know, it was another one of those things where Vivek is like, yep, no, that's the guy I want. And then it just ends up causing a bunch of trouble. Yeah. God. It's a mess. Le- I trust Monte McNair. And maybe oh, that's me. I mean, yeah, I, I trust McNair. He's an adult like- in the room. <laughs> right. Yeah. He is an adult in a room. And, he just he, he hasn't made many moves, so he hasn't made any move so far that's made me question his um, ability as a GM. So I like that. I mean, I know he had a lot of pressure at the deadline. He made a big move. I'm not questioning that move. I'm happy with the move. He made two excellent draft picks. He's definitely he definitely is going to do what's best for the team, um, and hopefully he can hopefully somehow Vivek trusts him and stays out of his business because i do yes. i think mcnair will make the right move i trust mcnair i trust mcnair to do that for the kings mm-hmm. and like i said earlier i mean i think there's there are positive signs and this is why i think i'm so optimistic about the sacramento kings team um as much as people grit their teeth to that um which you know I, I don't have a problem with i mean like you have every right to uh, the, the, the the longest playoff drought in nba history um, but, uh, there are so many signs just mainly centered around the trades during the, the deadline that just show that I just don't think Rana Dive is doing, he's not, he doesn't, he's not, he's not, you know, I don't think he has his hands on the wheel as much. I think he's someone strapped him in the back seat. Mm. Um, and, uh. I think he it probably might have been himself because I think people, I think enough people may have, and I don't know this, but I would imagine that enough people are probably telling this guy, even though he does not surround himself with people that probably speak honestly with him. Hence why you saw him struggle with all these head coaches that had been around the league forever and have been proven successes either well before he ever came, they came to the Kings or after they left the Kings. Um, you know, this guy does not like, people who disagree with him and like bringing on Vladi, obviously he was brought on cause he was loyal and they kind of deferred to him. You know, he's just like, Oh yeah, I guess he is the GM, you know, that's yeah. kind of how he got the job. And it's just like, I mean, it just seems like he's willing to remove himself or maybe not willing. I don't know, but he's removed in some degree. I don't want to give him credit. I mean, <laughs> he hasn't, he just, I mean, just like, you know, McNair maybe hasn't deserved any scorn, but he, he hasn't deserved credit because you haven't seen results yet technically you know um but it's just like i don't want to I, I if that's the case i definitely don't want to overstep and say um i'm going to give credit to ron adibe but i do think that there's hope there that he's not gonna keep hey you know muddying everything better, better late than never better late than right. never dude hey, you know what vivek has been the you know he's been very very frustrating since he's bought the team. But again, he bought this team. He kept him in sack. 
And I'm not giving him an excuse or anything, but like, mm-hmm. it would be awesome to see him succeed and for him to figure it out. I mean, it it doesn't excuse the last, what, seven No, but eight, I think you're on to something. Because you could totally imagine looking back at those 16 years. Of course, you're not going to think about it and be like, oh, well, that was nothing. Or not the 16 years, but the nine years, you know, uh, so far that he's been owner. So the, the nine years. You look back at the nine years. Of course, you're not going to just, like, discount it. But, like, you know, I think everybody agrees that they'd like to see him succeed. And I don't think that's always the one thing with, with Ron Adiva. You can never take that away from him. Is He did keep the Kings here, which was kind of the existential crisis for the city. You know, yeah. it seemed like, especially when we were like kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When we were kids, when this, you know, <laughs> this playoff show was only halfway through, less than halfway through. But yeah, Vivek, he can figure out how to stay out of, you know, the grown ups' business. And good for him. And, you know, maybe we'll give him a chance to succeed. And, you know, it's his team. It's his trophy at the end of the day. And, you know, that's what I want, I guess. Mm-hmm. I want him to hold the trophy up. I do, because mm-hmm. he's the owner of my team. You know, yep. it's, yeah, it's a results-driven know. league, though. Yes. Yes, it so, is. Got to deliver. Got to deliver. You know, the <laughs> next season. The hope starts now. There's two games left. Um, Clippers and Suns, so probably two losses. But oh, who knows? The Suns are probably going to rest everyone. But and I don't know. The yeah. Clippers are still kind of fighting. But yeah, long season coming to a close. We're already talking off season next year. Not to look forward to though. As we said, good foundation the Kings have built, or you know, have laid down to build on. McNair is going to have, you know, a busy offseason, a coach to pick from, some players to sign, maybe trade. He's, he's going to be busy. A lot, of, a lot of eyes are going to be on him, especially ours. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got to say. Yeah, I think uh, just, you know, on a closing note, to kind of keep the, um, you know, to, to give your therapists, uh, uh, Kings fans, a day off, uh, to keep your uh, hopes high, um, uh, you know, uh, Davion Mitchell at the last home game on Tuesday addressed the crowd. He said, this offseason, we're going to get better and make you guys proud. And, you know, that is a guy that I think is he's a hard worker. He got 17 assists, had the rookie record in the Sacramento era for assists. And he said it didn't mean anything to him because they didn't win. And I think that that is not just, I think that's something that has been spreading throughout the team. Uh, I think constantly these guys are playing for each other. I think, you know, I, I really, this is not a spoonful of nothing when I say this. I just think that the, if you have like any reason, you know, ever to be hopeful for a team, especially a team that's missed the playoff for 16 years, um, it's right now with the guys that they got, and the guys that they're going to be going into next season with, and hopefully, you know, with additions to that. Um, and uh, yeah, so in the words of Davion Mitchell, um, you know, that's a promise there. They want to deliver a product to the fans. So uh, that's, a, that's a good thing to go off of right there. I like it. Ended on a positive note. But 
All right. Until next time, season will be over next time we talk to you. So I guess we'll talk to you in the off season. Have a good one.